Don't trust the user input ever. Just don't limit the size of the request body and at all possible use some kind of token. Hello and welcome to Pimp My API, a podcast where you will hear two developers take on API development, remote work and everything in between. Come stay with us and experience our way of looking at the backend world. After two decades spent developing APIs, hopefully we can give you useful takeaways in every episode. If you feel strongly about anything we said, please reach out to us on pimpmyapi.com. My name is Zoltan, and as always, I have my co-host Roland with me, so let's get started. Yeah, what is our topic for today? I think uh, the, the first topic for today, or I guess for this episode, the only topic for today, should be protecting your API. Like, the we, we wanted to talk about the... Mine. Bare, yeah, your API. Not mine. <laughs> mine is safe. What's, what's the problem in my API? Mine is safe. You just need to protect yours because, you know, mine is safe. All right. <laughs> so what... So, uh, yeah, protecting APIs. Yeah, that's that's what we, we wanted to talk about. Um, and I think we should start with the obvious things, which everyone should be aware of which is don't trust user input ever like uh you you should when when you are developing a new api you should always think about the use cases like where where it will be used and even even if it's just an internal api or even if it's just a small one now it might become bigger later and you you should definitely be aware of your users and of course if you put anything on the internet you can expect that the so that the the people who are accessing your thing won't just be your users so i can assure you if you put anything up online today then 3 days from now hacking attempts will go against it as this is just how the world works as the internet is an ugly and scary place um so if if you don't think about how you should protect it or how you will protect it against these attacks then uh, your api can get hacked really really quickly and I don't think that's what you want even if even if it's just a pet project or even if it's just for your test purposes or for your own website I don't think you you want it hacked by all means or by any means um so you should start thinking about first of all how do users usually behave in any any kind of environment any kind of like um any anything that's related to information technology, you can expect the users to be a bit. Um, how should I say this to stay politically correct? <laughs> Dumb. <clears throat> we might might need to like filter this out, but uh, they just don't know how it works. First of all, second of all, the 
users who will be accessing it won't be your users necessarily, but anyone who's stumbled across it on the internet, and they will try to break it. So it's not a question, it's, it's a statement. They will try to break it. And the first and foremost action you should always take is to sanitize your, all your inputs. Like anything that comes in is untrusted. And while it's not sanitized, then you just don't trust it at all. Don't run it, don't put it into any database, don't do anything with it. First of all, make your code look at it and decide if it's safe or not and try try and sanitize it. My advice would be first, like do proper validation. So if your input is, like if you uh, require a number, uh, only accept numbers. So don't even, like the first thing you should do is uh, filter out any other things. So for a number, you just accept numbers. For a Boolean, you accept just like one or zero or true or false or whatever. For a date, you uh, only accept a valid date, so on and so forth. Yeah, these these two, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but these latter two were the perfect examples of where you will run into problems. Like for a Boolean, you expect a one or a zero or a string one or a string zero or um, the string false, the string true, or the true or false value, depending on the technology you are using, right? Now, for dates, I guess that's the perfect one, as what format? You only expect dates. Mm, okay. Uh, ISO your format? defined format. So what you, what you define in your uh, whatever documentation. So mm -hmm. that's, um, that's up to you. Um, but... What I wanted to say is that like numbers and, and uh, strict values, it's easy to filter uh, things that you don't want in. For text inputs, um, if it's just like, uh, you know, you should decide, for example, if you want to uh, accept HTML or any other formatting or just, you know, letters and symbols. Um, if you just like, if there's a name, a name a field, for example, when you, you know, you have a first name and last name field, it's it's easy to say that oh, okay, we don't want HTML or any other formatting code or whatever um, into that field. Um, so it's it's easy then. Um, I think the most complicated thing is with uh, with um, formatted text input. So if you're building like a CMS or something, and you uh, your users actually entering um, and sending data that can uh, contain potential problematic codes, that's another level of um, validation and sanitization that you have to make. Um, you know, I can I come from Drupal. Uh, um, I've worked with Drupal a lot. And for example, what Drupal does, it uh, can save anything when you um, when you um, you know paste something into a um, a text field in admin. You can paste anything, but the display is always filtered, so nothing goes through. Um, not nothing goes to the output without any filtering. That so that's another method that you can try, but. Um, 
that can be problematic as well. Um, so why you should um, why you should filter your input? Why you should uh, not trust your input first? Yeah, if if uh, if you know anyone can try to break it if it's out there. Um, the f- the first thing that so I think um, mm, they can e- e- either try to uh, break your your system from the early days. It was popular to do SQL injections, so injecting SQL queries into text fields so that um, you can run SQL queries on the server. So that breaks the server, or that you can like um, request data, make changes with this method. That's one uh, problem that uh, can be there when you when you're not aware of this. Another problem that can be caused by um, you know unfiltered inputs is uh, actually um, breaking your users or hacking your users. So if you uh, have a, a text field when someone can inject the JavaScript and then that JavaScript is displayed on your user's web browser and that goes unfiltered, that can break or hack your user's web browser through your API. So there's two different scenarios and you, you should be aware of, of the, the potential of, of these, these two uh, attacks or problems. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, SQL injection is a very good example, as, especially when, when you're starting out. Um, you might just build your queries as concatenated text, which you should avoid at all costs. And that will probably so all, all the all the frameworks that you will be using when when you start off with a new API, all the frameworks have this built in, where you just basically create a prepared statement, and then supply the the parameters in a separate uh, object. So the the SQL let's call it interface module, right? Or wrapper or whatever framework you are using will be able to know which bits of your query are the params and will be able to filter it properly. So I guess as a first step, if you don't concatenate the params into the SQL query, that's that's a great start. And And the other thing which I usually recommend is to limit the size of your request body as usually when when something is fishy you will see that the the request itself is huge so when someone tries to break something they will just um, like they they are blind going in so they are dealing with a black box and they are completely blind going in um, so that's why they will try a number of things, like try try to brute force your API somehow. And uh, when when they are doing that, by nature the requests will be bigger than usual. So if you're configuring a web-based web service-based API, then it's really easy, whichever like web server you are using it's really easy to limit the size of the request body and 
obviously come up with a realistic number first like what is the usual size of a request body that is like normal for this kind of call if if it's if it's a call that takes a request body at all um and uh decide based on that so probably times two is a good number so if it's more than twice the size of the usually used size then it's highly likely that something is wrong or someone is trying mm -hmm. to do something which is not which you wouldn't intend letting them do so you you just limit the size of the request body and without actually hitting your api the web server you are using will just block that request and you just won't know about it just in the logs obviously you will but otherwise you just won't know about it so that's that's another other another good step of for securing your thing and obviously the third which comes to mind just off the top of my head is to use authentication some kind of authentication okay there are cases when you don't do that because you might be developing an api which is open to the public but i think that's pretty rare or at least i don't do that usually um so that's my first step to implement the authorization and authentication methods for for any api i'm working on and this should be implemented in a way that you just don't need to include anything in every function right so just implement it as a wrapper around all the calls of your api and that way you just can't forget about adding this authorization to just one of the services which will get hacked so these yeah so if you, for example if you're working with laravel you can use uh middlewares for that so um as well as for for validation if you're using laravel there's a built-in validation functionality on into your controllers so it's easy to um easy to you know you don't have to reinvent the wheel you just can um add some add some filter crit criterias um, into your controller and and the framework will do um the rest and um yeah as an advice zero i would i would slip in um use frameworks yes that's very good especially advice especially if you are uh, not a not a senior developer so if you if you're starting with apis just don't ever try to build your own framework or don't don't try to you know file new um php whatever um use frameworks and read the documentation uh, most frameworks has good doc documentation and advices of how to to make your um software secure so uh, and, and follow these uh, advices and even no so this is not just true for php frameworks obviously or all, all usual frameworks which you would consider using for api development include this so flask has very good documentation around security 
um, I guess they, they even specify two or three different ways you can choose from. Just they, they have tutorials. And if, if the framework of your choice or your client choice, for that matter, doesn't have this, then I guess Stack Overflow is a good resource, usually. Like, full of helpful people who are more than happy yeah. to help you protect your API as, as uh, most of the guys there have security at the top of their lists, to my experience, or, or who I talk to usually is concerned with, with security. So um, that's a good resource. That can be a good resource as well. And Good. and the other thing is so, using firewalls and not the like I will I won't let certain IP addresses in or out or like disable different ports or whatnot. These are the simple like OS level firewalls. What I I'm talking about is uh, application firewalls. As now in these modern days and with this much computing power we can live analyze traffic which is which is going out and into the server or out off and into the server and there are great tools which analyze the protocol and can detect if anything fishy is going on that should, but that should not be part of your API. So no, 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 no. Uh, that's part of your another yeah next to all software. And and can you recommend any existing software products? We're not associated. We're not associated with any uh, of these brands or whatever. So we're not getting paid for that advice. Yeah, full disclosure. Just, this is not a sponsored yeah. spot. Zorp, Z O R P. That's uh, a really, really good and internationally recognized application level firewall, which um, comes in comes in two packages. One of the packages is the open source bit, which you can just download and start playing with it. But obviously, in that case, you don't won't receive any support from the company, and you won't receive certain modules, which only come with the paid version. Um, and with the paid version, you have a couple of tiers. I can't remember now off the top of my head, but you have a couple of tiers and uh, you will receive all the analysis models and you will receive phone and technical support as well. So this is, this is a quite useful thing to know. But um, obviously, when you're just starting out, um, this is not really necessary but uh, as you grow with with your site or API, um, it's it's a good thing to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Does AWS have a, a web application firewall product? Whoa, I don't know. I have <laughs> if they do, I haven't used it. As where where I have used application firewalls, I use this, which I just mentioned, Zorp. As this this was so straightforward, and uh, when I when I started using it, I don't think AWS was a thing. So it was it yeah. was a really really long time ago when I started experimenting with application level firewalls, and back then I worked with the government, and uh, in in the governmental sector, uh, 
people are usually concerned with uh, having their daughter out of their house, if that makes sense. To me, it doesn't, but to them, it's it does. Um, and uh, you are not allowed and not able to use external third-party VPSs or whatever's. So the the only thing that is satisfactory to them usually is to have all the services and all the data at their premises. So AWS has a, a web application firewall. I can't <laughs> figure out the prices, but um, yeah. So and and probably all the big platforms have uh, similar products. Uh, yeah, um, possibly. So yes, use. I'm just saying I haven't used them. So I just uh, the the stuff I'm building now is so small that it didn't require those services. Uh, some of it is hosted on AWS, some of it is not. But uh, when when I've built these larger systems, then most of them, or if not all of them, I think all of them were somehow related to governmental systems. So there, I just couldn't afford to remove the data from uh, the premises of, mm. of that actual governmental body. So that's why I, I'm really not an expert in third parties uh, or, mm. or like the, the, the likes of AWS and like Scaleway or, or DigitalOcean, all of these, or Microsoft, the Azure cloud might have something similar as well. Mm. I would expect them to have something similar as well, right? Um, but yeah. I, I just haven't used them, so I can't give any useful advice on that bit. Just uh, I, I was just thinking to mention the concept of having an application firewall, which which can be useful later on when when you grow big with your product or API. Okay, is is there anything you would recommend? I think Cloudflare has a product yeah, 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 for yeah, yeah. Firewall as well. So you can like um yeah, just search W A F that stands for Web Application Firewall and you can find a lot of products out there. Um right, next advice. What's your next advice? Is, is, is there <laughs> anything right, so else? Like, after application firewalls, what could be better? <laughs> no, I mean, not better, yeah, but so obviously think, you might have something. Yeah, um, flood protection and throttling mm -hmm, is, mm -hmm. is another thing that you should consider. Um, because, you know, even even for errors. So uh, when I was working on uh, on a project when we used an API, there was a bug in in the front end that he kept pinging a certain uh, API endpoints, and um, sometimes it just happens that um, it it was a front end bug or something in the browser mm -hmm. um, that actually flooded started to flood the API. So throttling and, and request limitation is, is something that you should consider. And um, this way you can protect your endpoints uh, from flooding. So someone is just trying to break your system by just like um, flooding your APIs with, with a bunch of data and a lot of requests in, in one uh, second. So 
yeah, normal denial of service attack is based on this. So, yeah, this this is very good advice. And how how would you recommend implementing it? Like, is is it in the framework or is it is it in your code or where where would you put it? I guess some frameworks have that. Yeah. So if if your framework have uh link, uh, you can just simply implement that. Uh, that's easy. Yeah, flick a switch and your throttling protection is live. Easy as pie. <laughs> but you should be aware, like, you know, uh, it's easy to filter out real requests. So if you, you, you should know what you're building for. You should know um, your usual request rate. So, I, I don't know, for example, if, you, if you're building um, an API for a for a, a vetter application like a phone app um, from and and the throttling should be uh, always uh, uh, per user like per IP address or per source and that's sometimes hard to do sometimes um, people are using the same IP address think about an office um, if you're building a um, like an application form or something that's is used by a lot of people sitting in the same office. You should be very careful with throttling because uh, you can end up uh, throttling your real users uh, because they're using the same IP address. So you can't differentiate your traffic that way. So, for example, this way you can you can throttle by user because you know. Your users should be authenticated in in such a such a software. So you should you should throttle the, the request per user and not per IP address. Another thing to uh, to to consider when you're doing throttling and, and dealing with IP addresses is if you're using load balancers. Um, so if your server is behind a load balancer. And normally, the source IP address of the request is the load balancer's IP address. So all request is coming from the same IP address, and you, it's easy to, you know, throttle um, or engage throttling um, for all your all your traffic because your uh, application sees everything coming from the same IP address and just freaking out. Yeah, but uh, usually these load balancers set a header in in the TCP headers somewhere which will contain the real IP address that it came from. And the other thing, which just you, you just reminded me, which is a usual problem, that the, the user authentication, in some cases, doesn't trickle down to the API. So I, I have seen um, people building front ends that will just use one API token for every user. So they have their own user authentication, right? So they they will authorize the user with the use of the API, which obviously has the user data, usually, um, and they will let in the user based on my response. But after that, they will just use one uh, pre-shared token for all the calls from that user, which is just. Oh, no, 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 all the calls from all users. That's the problematic one. So in, in this case, and implementing your way of throttling, you will like lock out most of the users. like, <laughs> and, and you don't want to have them 
like blocked out because the 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 UI is not built in a way that it should be. So that's that's another good point, I guess, to look out for. We we are st- we started jumping around, I guess, but just you know, as as <laughs> stuff comes to mind from what you mentioned and what I have seen in the past. I just thought I'd mention that uh, it's it's a good idea to review how the UI that is accessing your API is using it. As you might be surprised um, in some cases how certain things are implemented in in uh, various systems. So yeah, just make okay. make sure the user authentication trickles down to the API. Do the throttling. Um, don't trust the user input ever. Just don't limit the size of the request body and at all possible use some kind of token or basic authentication at least. And if your product grows big, then consider using application layer firewalls, which are very, very good and seemingly hard, but really easy to configure once you understand what they do. And I think, unless, Roland, you want to add anything else, I would say that's it for this one. We Yeah, I think we are fine. So it's six advices. Yeah, six already. advices, so. hopefully hopefully useful. <laughs> if it was useful, please let us know. If it was bullshit, please let us know as well. Um, reach out to us whenever you, you want to. You know, if you feel strongly about anything we said, reach out to us on pimpmyapi.com thanks for listening yeah thanks for listening catch you in the next one bye bye thanks for listening to the Pimp My API podcast you can reach us on our website pimpmyapi.com you can send us an email to hello at pimpmyapi.com or leave a comment on our Facebook page.